0: Good morning. How many love Jesus? Come on, give them a hand clap today. Give it up. I love this church. How many know I go to a lot of churches, and I've been to a lot of churches in 20 years? Can I get an amen? Breaking bricks for Jesus, rolling up frying pans, popping soda cans, uh, ripping license plates. What does that have to do with Jesus? Nothing. Nothing. How many have ever seen this type of ministry before? How many have seen it? How many have not seen it? Ooh, a lot of new people. Well, you're in for a treat. Today at 5.30, we're going to rock and roll. I'm going to break, bend, and tear. Get on Facebook, Twitter, invite somebody. Come on, get the rowboat and start rowing. Get here any way you can, amen? We're going to have an explosive time. The last four weeks, we've seen over 1,000-plus people come to know Jesus as their Lord and Savior. Hallelujah. Great things he has done. Hey, is the Bible true or what? God uses the foolish things of the world to confound the wise. There's nothing more foolish than slamming your elbows into concrete. Come on, somebody. Can I get an amen? Well, I want to say what a day this is. What a weekend. I'm honored to be here and uh, to be here with Pastor Joel, his wife, the whole staff, familiar faces. Memorial weekend, never forget. Wow. This is powerful. How many here, are any men, at veterans or have served in the military? Anyone here? Let me see. Let's give them all a big hand clap. God bless you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Come on. Come on. Give it up for our men, women in the service of our country, the greatest nation, the greatest country in the world. Come on. Hallelujah. I just want to pray a blessing. Father God, I thank you for them right now. I thank you, Lord God, for men and women who have laid their life on the line for us, Lord, so we can come into a place like this and worship you, God, in freedom. Lord God, thank you for their families. Lord, I just pray a special blessing and anointing on them, Lord, right now that you work in and through them and in their families. Hedge of protection around them. Lord God, I pray you do great and mighty things, Lord. Free, free, free is our theme this weekend, Lord. For whom the sun is set free is free indeed. Lord God, we thank you for that. We bless them for their sacrifice in Jesus' name. And all God's people said. Amen. Praise the Lord. As I said, glad to be here today. We're going to have a little bit of fun. And I always say this every church I go to. How many know it is okay to have fun in church? We should have the most fun. We have a reason to have fun in Jesus Christ. I'm not putting anybody down, but there's a lot of churches I go to. It's like going to a funeral home. Can I get an amen? Come on, somebody. They're just bitter. Look like they've been baptized in pickle juice half the time, you know. And this is fun to come to a church that uh, just has liberty and freedom. That's a rarity in the body of Christ, folks. There's a lot of people bound up. They're hurting. They're broken. They're empty. They're bankrupt. And I, you know what I know, I run into a lot of people, brother Joe. Spiritual walls, it's holding them back from that true relationship. A, a, a spiritual wall of addiction, a spiritual wall of doubt, a spiritual wall of fear, unbelief, free. It's all over. Free. For whom the Son has set free is free. To, when you're free in Jesus, you can do some things for the kingdom. I said you can shake the world, ladies and gentlemen. This year we're on track to see over 20-plus thousand people come to know Jesus as their Lord and Savior through Megaforce Ministries. That's why I do what I do. You think I'd run around this world in a 1980s comic book hero outfit if people weren't getting set free? Come on, somebody. Amen? I mean, I'm telling you, I'll do whatever it takes to see a life come to Jesus Christ. If you do what you can with what you have where you're at, God will increase what you have, and he won't leave you where you're at. This church is living proof of that. When I came and partnered with your pastor years ago, this church, 100, 120, maybe, on a good Sunday, folks we're hitting almost five over five hundred people. Hello, God is doing some great things here. What part will you play? Is my mic on? Yeah, what part will you play in the body here at the way bible church how, how, What are you going to do? well people I, I meet a lot of people well, they just show up and hope things get better. They just show up and do church well i've done my obligation no god's calling you to make a difference. Hey, life is like a coin. You can spend that coin any way you want, but you can only spend it once, folks. We have one life to live. I want to make my life, and you should want to make your life count for God in a big way because you saw all the base leaders right here. They're doing their part, and this is leading into my message today. I'm going to talk about a story in the Bible. Four men who had a friend who's a paralytic who's crippled who cannot help himself. They want to get him to Jesus and I believe the motivating factor in this story, Mark 2, 1 through 12, you have your Bibles turn there, Mark chapter 2, verses 1 through 12, I believe the motivating factor to this whole story is these men that I'm about to read about today in this text. These four men, they were, well, they had a vision, they were very serious, They had passion, and I believe the motivating factor to get their friend who could not help himself to Jesus was one ingredient, a key ingredient, compassion. Compassion will move you, will motivate you. Well, how do you know, Steve? It moved God. He gave his only son to die a brutal death for you and me that we may be set free. Mark 2, 1 through 12, it says this. When Jesus returned to Capernaum several days later, the news spread quickly that he was back home. Soon the house where he was staying was so packed with visitors that there was no more room even outside the door. While he was preaching God's word to them, four men, everyone say four men, men. arrived carrying a paralyzed man on a mat. They couldn't bring him To Jesus because of the crowd, so they dug a hole through the roof above his head. Then they lowered the man on his mat right down in front of Jesus, seeing their faith. Jesus said to the paralyzed man, My child, your sins are forgiven. But some of the teachers of religious law who were sitting there, uh oh, thought to themselves, Sitting there? Yeah, sitting there, analyzing, critical spirit. Come on, come on, hello. They couldn't bring him to Jesus because of the crowd, so they dug a hole through the roof above his head. Then they lowered the man on his mat right down in front of Jesus, seeing their faith. Jesus said to the paralyzed man, my child, your sins are forgiven. But some of the teachers of religious law who were sitting there thought, that this was, what is he saying? This is blasphemy. Only God can forgive sins. Jesus knew immediately what they were thinking, so he asked them, why do you question this in your hearts? Is it easier to say to the paralyzed man, your sins are forgiven, or to stand up, pick up your mat, and walk? So I will prove to you that the Son of Man has the authority on earth to forgive sins. Then Jesus turned to the paralyzed man and said, Stand up, pick up your mat, and go home. Verse 12, I love it. Here it is. And the man jumped up, grabbed his mat, and walked out through the stunned onlookers. They were all amazed and praised God, exclaiming, We've never seen anything like this before. Father God, bless your word. Bless your people. Set us free. Lord God, may we walk in your freedom, Lord. May we never take it for granted today. In Jesus' holy name. And everyone said, we've never seen anything like this before. I hear that every single week, every single crusade as I travel on the road 30 plus weeks a year with my lovely wife, Janet, who wish she could be here today. Had a little maybe pink eye going on, so be praying for her. But she loves Jesus with all of her heart. And we always hear, hey, we've never seen anything like this before. It's not so much the feats of strength they're talking about. That's all cool. They may not have seen it before, but just like two weeks ago, I had an 82-year-old man who was saved at our crusade, church's secretary's father. She had been praying for him for 20 years to come to Jesus. It took rolling up a frying pan to get him to the church house to receive Jesus Christ. She said, I've never seen anything like this before. You know what, that's, that's the prayer, you see, because in this, this text today, these four men were on a mission. They had clear-cut vision. They had a passion, and you know what motivated them? Compassion. But they went to the extreme to get their friend to Jesus. What does the Bible say? They went to the house. The crowd was so large, they couldn't even get near the door. Come on, somebody, that's a large crowd, amen? But you know what, like a lot of people today, when we get in a tight situation, we become challenged it's easier to take the other route out. Now, I'm glad the Bible does not read this morning. The crowd was so large, they looked at their friend and said, be warm, be filled. We love you. We appreciate you. God bless you. And just walk away. It's like a lot of people today. I'm not saying anybody here, but they get in a situation like that. It's the be warm, be filled prayer. Come on, somebody. Instead of rolling up the sleeves be willing to get your hands dirty, be willing to put your hands to the plow, plow forward, not look back, come on, somebody, and they got so motivated and inspired, you know what they did? Huh, they're like, we'll go to the extreme. How extreme? Climb to the top of a roof and dig a hole through the roof and bust through. Someone busted through the, the roof here today. How many know that just might get our attention a little bit? Come on, somebody. Hello? Hello? And, hey, I I don't know about you, but I can read into this. There's probably a little engineering going on. Four men, that mat probably had four corners like this piece of paper here, notebook. Not three of the men, not two of the men, all four of the men came together because there is strength in numbers. Base group leaders, all of us here, when we're rowing the boat together, there's strength in numbers. By the way, the pastors, the staff cannot do it all. This is going to take you and I having the attitude of these four men to be extreme at times, to be very motivated at times, and to step up to the plate and be willing, hey, if it takes digging a hole through a roof, I would, now, if I would have been there that day, I would have been like, wow, high five, guys, good job. But also, I would have said this, I would have been the guy that said, okay, now we have a hole through the roof, we've done our part, we've jumped in, we've got it done, how are we getting our friend through the hole to Jesus. You can't just slide him off the mat through the hole in the roof. Come on, somebody. Amen. You know, they probably tied a rope or a twine, some kind of something in fashion, and tied it to the corners of the, the mat, and they lowered him down in front of Jesus, and Jesus saw their effort. No, saw their faith. Will we have that same faith today to be debt-free? Will we have that same faith to crush the wall of debt? Come on, somebody. Come on, and I'm here to tell you, Jesus saw their faith, and so many people think it's the effort, it's the work, because I could get that attitude, Brother y'all, I could say, well, I've broken a million bricks for you, Lord, but no, it's, it's faith. Jesus saw their faith. Well, I can relate to the paralytic, because I was born crippled. The doctor said I'd never walk. The doctor said I'd never, ne- I'd never, I'd never, 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 never. Skinniest kid in my school. I was so skinny I could hang glide from a Dorito. Come on, I was skinny. Come on, somebody. I stuttered. I couldn't talk. I couldn't walk. But I had a dream for God to play basketball, be an athlete. Does God have a sense of humor? Or what? Here I'm preaching the gospel and breaking bricks for Jesus. That's kind of interesting. Gained over 100 pounds, steroid-free. You know, working out on Ripley's, on ESPN, all that great stuff. That's good. God had a plan. And when God fixes something, He fixes it real good. He doesn't make mistakes. He doesn't make junk. You're not here by accident. You're here by divine design. He's got the plan, the purpose, the destiny. But do we have the compassion these four men had to move mountains? And, ladies and gentlemen, long story short, working with doctors, therapists, specialists, I didn't just walk again. Long story short, I'll share more tonight. I became the fastest track athlete in my school's history, captain of my high school basketball team, state championship, went on to be a powerlifting champion, and on and on and on the list goes. God had the first word. He would have the last word. Ladies and gentlemen, there's one thing I know. My only drug problem growing up is my daddy drugged me to church. (laughs) Hallelujah. That's a good drug problem to have. Amen. But there are people here today I want you to know it isn't about going to church. Going to church does not make you spiritual or Christian any more than going to McDonald's makes you a hamburger today. Come on, somebody. You must have an encounter, a face-to-face encounter with the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. He can set you free. And ladies and gentlemen, he is the one who will anoint you to be the rope holder today. You say, well, I'm not a preacher. I'm not like you. I'm not like Brother Joel. I can't do worship. Well, I can't either. I can't do worship. I can't sing. If I did sing, you'd know why God gave me muscles. Come on, somebody. Amen. Come on. We all have giftings, talents, and abilities in this building today. And God wants us to yield them to him and go to the extreme for his great glory and for his kingdom, to build his church, to build his house. And you know something, folks? Look me in the eye, everybody. Let me tell you something. You may be here. Well, I'm not called to preach. I can't. Do you have a Bible, a neighbor, and a coffee pot? Welcome to the ministry. You're in the club. You don't have to be a platform preacher to be called to be in the ministry. Some people have it all messed up. Hey, you're called to make a difference right where you're at, in your workplace, your school. You're called to be a rope holder wherever you're at. I've, I've shared this story here before. I'll never forget it as long as I live. I walk into a church, Southern California, 2,000 members, and I mean every single opening, every door in that whole facility. This thing was huge, three, 4,000 seater. And man, there were these, I love grandmas grandmas have a hotline to heaven. They are the prayer warriors. I mean, they get it done. You want to have a need met, get a grandma praying. Praise God. And they have a direct connect. Amen. And man, every single door, you know what they had? Precious grandma church greeters. And I mean, they would just stir your coffee for you, give you a Bible memory verse for the day. I was so amazed at the servitude and the attitude of these grandmas? I said, There's got to be a, a head grandma church greeter. I want to meet her. They said, Well, that's Grandma Lois. She's right there. I went over to meet her, I walked up to her. She was so precious, four foot two, but with her hair 6'10. You know what I'm saying? I'm, I'm just saying she had big hair. Praise God. And I mean, just full of the Spirit of God, full of the love of God. I went up and you know what I told her? Right to her face Grandma Lois, this is an incredible ministry you have. You know what she said to me? She immediately looked at me in the eye and said, but it's not like yours. You see thousands come to Christ. You're on TV. We pray for you. You know what I told her? I said, Grandma Lois, I wouldn't be so quick to discredit your services unto the Lord, because in God's eyes, it's the same. You stirring coffee, me breaking bricks, it's the same. You greeting and hugging a neck is the same as me snapping a baseball bat. God does not compare us or compete us against each other. Come on, praise God. That's the good news right here. God is looking. For the attitude of these four men and each and every one of us individually, young or old, five or if you're 95, he's here, he's called you, he's ordained you, positions you for such a time as this right here, right now. And why are we the body of believers, Pastor Joel, why do we think we have the authority to discredit ourselves? Because the enemy gets in, and he starts with this whispering, well, look what you did yesterday. Look what you said last week. Look at your attitude. You're no Christian. You're not called. You're, and he tries to beat us up, put us down, stomp on. you know what? We need to have the attitude of these, these four, four men and say enough's enough. And we need to have the attitude of these grandmas. And you know what? Hey, and I told her, you go and you serve, ma'am. And you love and you hug and you stir those coffees. You give those Bible memory verses because your ministry is just as great as ours. Man, she lit up like a Christmas tree. And I prayed over her and I said, you know one thing, ma'am, your ministry is great in the eyes of the Lord. How are we to compare and compete in the body of Christ? What nonsense. Jesus was the greatest of all and he was the servant of all. We must decrease for him to increase. Come on, somebody, we must decrease comparing and competing in church. It's like saying I can out broad jump Carl Lewis, and we're both broad jumping the Grand Canyon. 6'4", 250, come on, I get up, take my run, wow, I jump and I leap out at least an amazing 10 feet. Carl Lewis, the greatest of all time in broad jump. Come on, one of the most decorated Olympians in history. He gets up, he takes a run, he leaps an amazing 30 feet. He outjumps me by 20, but we all know he has no bragging rights because we're both dead. We fell two miles short of the other side. Come on, somebody. Hello? It's the same thing in church, in the body of Christ. I go to churches. Well, you're the best. You bring the word the best. You worship the best. No, we're all called to make a difference. We're here to be rope holders. And if God's for you, who in this world could be against you? Amen? And I got to tell this story. It's powerful. I actually just saw him, a, well, a year, year and a half, year and three months ago, Bill Henderson. Six foot two, 275, biggest forms I've ever seen on a man. Tattoos all over his body, big head of curly blonde hair, piercing blue eyes. This dude was an eight degree black belt in Ishenru hand-to-hand combat karate. And you know what? Before he was saved, he was radical for the devil. This guy, he'd go to Mardi Gras and beat people up for fun. Come on, what a weekend, amen? This guy and his brother Kenny, I'm telling you, they could wreak havoc on guys. One fight, 22 men they beat up. Came out with not a scratch. Bad to the bone. And Bill, you know what he did for a living before he was saved? Dealt drugs for the Hells Angels motorcycle gang. This guy... Ran angel dust from L.A. to Mexico on a regular basis. But you know what? You know what Bill had? He had a precious praying little grandma. And you know what he would do? He would take her meals over to her assisted living facility. He would go over and meet her. You know, She would just start praying and talking to him about the Lord and witnessing. And you know what she said to him? She prophesied, you're going to be a preacher one day, Billy. She called him Billy. Right? six foot this dude was 275 big forearms tattoos and you know what he'd say to grandma oh grandma he had a real rough voice did a lot of drugs methamphetamine grandma don't want to hear about jesus i don't care about that junk you know matter of fact jesus is a crutch she goes no billy jesus is the whole hospital he's the wheel in the middle of the wheel he's everything billy and one day you're gonna preach and she pray over him well he couldn't say nothing to grandma she was running the show, amen? And you know what? He, one day he left her facility on his big Harley. He went down. He set a stoplight. He's smoking a cigarette and waiting for the light to turn green. Out of the blue, someone handed him a Bible track. One way to heaven through a relationship with Jesus. The, the top of the card said that. And he began to read, put that in his leather coat, and he turned to No one was there. Because there's a wall right by him, he said today. He goes, There was no way that person or thing could have just disappeared. He believes today it was literally an angel from heaven. And, and literally, God was honoring his grandma's prayers. Well, guess what? He went to the hotel, getting ready to do a drug deal, got out of the shower, looked at his face in the mirror, and you know what he heard? His grandma's words, Billy, Jesus loves you, this I know, for my Bible tells me so, broke him to his knees. He began to weep and he cried out to an almighty God and said, If you're real, like my grandma says so, save me. That day he cried out to God in a hotel room on his knees and he got saved. But when he got saved, he got radically saved. This dude was a radical fanatical for God, and I mean, he'd do anything for God. I mean, we'd go to a carnival with this guy, and I'm not kidding you, he would bring a bullhorn. True story. And you know those outhouses that are outside by the carnivals and all the service? He would go wait for people to walk into those to go to the restroom. He would go up with his bullhorn. Hey, you in there, Jesus loves you. And you know what? He loves you more. And he would start preaching. I saw him do it. He's a crazy man for Jesus I, we went to Pizza Hut one night. I kid you not. We must have had 15 pastors there from our crusade. We're in Pizza Hut, 250 people in Pizza Hut. This guy, I'm telling you, it was crazy. Anytime time, now, he was saved. Let me put it this in a nice way. Saved, but he was really zealous and rough around the edges. Come on, somebody. Ever, ever hear that word, rough around the edges? And I got to tell you. You never knew what this guy was going to do. That was the crazy part about it. Because we're all talking about, hey, at the table, how great the service was, how many got saved. It was awesome. Bill's sitting there, totally quiet, not engaged in the conversation. He pipes up all of a sudden, out of the clear blue, after an hour of conversation, he pipes up, hey, I feel led to the Lord to do something, remove the pizzas from the middle of the table. So I kick him under the table and say, not now. Don't do anything. The pastors are here. Just contain yourself. Man, this dude, I'm telling you, he's a big dude, man. So my mama didn't raise no dummy. So you know what we did? We prayed, and we removed the pizzas from the middle of the table. Amen? Come on, somebody. And you know what? Everyone's looking like, what is he doing? He steps up on top of the table in Pizza Hut, 200-plus people, and he yells at the top of his lungs, emergency, emergency. Everyone's like, oh. He starts Preaching the gospel in Pizza Hut, on the table, does an altar call. Half a Pizza Hut comes forward to receive Jesus, and the manager gets saved. (laughs) True story. True story. Now, I know you're thinking, wow, that's awesome. The chances of me doing that are zero. I know. I'm a relational guy. I probably wouldn't do it either. I like to get to know people first. But before we judge him, the Bible says those who are forgiven much love much. Wow, what passion he had for the for Jesus, for the things of God. But I'll tell you one thing he had. One of the most precious daughters. Jessica, she was sweet, seven years old, big head of curly blonde hair, personality plus. He would bring her on the road at times. And on Saturdays on our off day, he I love when he do this. Him and her would go to a street corner, hotel lobby, and I'd sit and watch God work. He'd put her on his shoulders. Big old dude, big head of curly blonde hair. He'd walk around, and they'd do a skit. She'd say, Daddy, should I tell him or should you tell him? I don't know. Should you tell him or should I tell him? And they'd go back and forth. Daddy, should you tell him or should I tell him? And I saw one time over 100 people gather around, and finally someone would have the courage to say, Tell us what? Tell us! Jessica, at seven years old, would say, I'll tell you all right. My daddy used to be a real mean man and beat people up. He used to do dope deals. Now my daddy does hope deals. And he doesn't beat people up anymore because he has Jesus in his heart. And maybe you need to get to know Jesus too, like me and my daddy. I mean, people would weep before God. They would win hundreds to the Lord. I saw it with my own eyes. Jessica comes down with leukemia. And it was rough. I don't know why bad things happen to good people, but I know this. We were praying for her. She was in that hospital going through therapy, chemotherapy. And she had lost all her hair and a lot of weight. She was a stick figure of who she used to be. In a, in a seven-year-old's words, you have to understand, I mean, she's holding her dad's hand there, Cedar sinai in Los Angeles. And she says, Daddy, the, I hate the devil. The devil did this to me. And she said, By Jesus' stripes, Daddy, I'm, I'm healed. Daddy, I'm going to be healed. And that day she closed her eyes and went to be with Jesus. And how many know some are healed down here, but everybody's going to be healed up there one day. Everybody's going to be healed up there. No more tears, no more pain. They took her to the morgue, the bottom floor of that hospital, and, you know, through the commotion and all of the stuff going on, Bill really didn't really get to say a proper goodbye to Jessica, and he went up to the head nurse and said, Ma'am, would you allow me to just go see my girl? She said, Sure. Just follow me. And they get in the elevator, go down, and they just walk right into the freezer area there. She's on a table with a little sheet over her body. Now, you got to know, Bill, this guy is just a wild man for the Lord. He just walks over and scoops her up, right? Like, no big deal. Just another day at the office. Hey, baby, I love you. I'm going to see you real soon. This isn't goodbye. I'm going to see you a little bit later. And he's having a normal, just a normal conversation, like I'm talking to you. The nurse is bawling. She can't hold it together. She's just weeping. And then in the interim of all that going on, she's on the sidelines there going, hello, excuse me, sir, Bill, I don't mean to interrupt you at a time like this, but I don't get it. How can you have peace right now? I bring parents here all the time, and you know what they do? Curse God, blame God, shake their fist at God, and you have peace at a time like, how can this be? He said, ma'am, we who are Christians and born again, we don't weep like the world weeps. Because we're going to see them again, our loved ones. We're going to be with them again. We're going to we're going to have a re- reuniting together. She goes, "Well, I go to a church down the road, but don't know the Jesus you know." Who You should have never told Bill that. Because folks, when he heard those words, man, it's like goosebumps, right? Holy Ghost. He just said, "Oh, really? Where do you go to church?" She goes, "Well, I'm a Methodist. I go to the Methodist church down the road. I've been a member there for twenty plus years." And I don't know the Jesus you know. He said, oh, really? Well, he put his little girl by that time. She was back on the table there. He starts engaging in conversation. And in the interim of that, he says, baby, should I tell her or should you tell her? Since you're with Jesus, daddy's going to tell her this time. He said, ma'am, may I have your hand, please? May you, Would you please give me the honor to lead you in a simple prayer? Whew. Wow. At a time, his daughter just died. And he's just concerned about winning people to Jesus. He just was praying with everyone on every floor, had a bottle of anointing oil, praying for people in the hospital. His daughters passed away. And she says it'd be an honor. Took his hand, led him in the sinner's prayer. She gave her heart to Jesus. That was the last time they did the skit. Should I tell him or should you tell him? But but let let me tell you about Jessica. You talk about an extreme rope holder. Even in her death, even in her life, she knew what it meant to get her hand on the rope and get someone close to Jesus. Would we have that same attitude? My prayer is that we would. Would we have that same compassion for the lost? I pray we would. Would we have that same attitude to see people set free? That's what this church is for. To bring the sick, the hurt, the broken, the lost, the empty, the bankrupt. Hey, the downtrodden. Come on, somebody. People with spiritual barriers, they need a, play. They need a hospital like this to come to where the rope holders are. And God will trust us because he knows he's going to get them close to his son Jesus.